Welcome to another edition of the Skyhook. I am your host, James Kay, and right now you are listening to the podcast version of the show. If you want to contact anyone involved with the show, you can always do so at the Skyhook Mailbag at gmail.com, or you can tweet at me at my handle, which is James underscore M underscore K A Y. I also want to encourage you to like and subscribe to the show's pages on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and the newest network for your WNBA news, the Windsider Network. They are on Spotify and they are posting the Skyhook on their page. So I can't thank them enough for letting the Skyhook be a part of their network. I mean, I've been a huge fan of the Windsider podcast for so long. And um, yeah, seriously, this is just so cool. So thank you to them. So before I get into the winners and losers of the All-Star Game, and how Catherine Engelbert kind of messed up big time by not addressing what happened during the Sun-Sky game, or what I should say what happened before it. I want to apologize to all of you for this episode coming up a little late. Um, for the past six weeks, I've been dealing with some hard problems that got worse, that got worse this past week. And I recorded this episode a couple days ago, and I was going to put it up on Thursday, but... On Thursday, I couldn't record uh, this intro or outro because I couldn't talk for more than a few minutes at a time. And, you know, it kind of complicates things because I'm the only one talking on this podcast today. So, um, yeah, I so I apologize for that. I, I think things are starting to be a little bit taken care of on that end. But I apologize and I hope you enjoy the show. And I guess we will have Mike cue the intro. Does that work? All right. Folks, everyone involved with the W has to be thrilled about how the 2019 All-Star Weekend went. And I know I'm kicking myself right now because I was kind of on the fence about going this year. And I decided not to because, well, I'm broke and I'm looking for a job right now as I transition out of college to, you know, working every day. So I decided not to make the trip out and... After watching what happened this past weekend, I, I just really regret it just because everyone that I like everyone in the media that I know um, who was tweeting about it seemed to just have just a great time. And it was just such a great success for the WNBA, honestly. And I mean, based on what those media members were saying, who I keep in contact with and, you know, just what we all observed on ABC, I mean, there just was a certain energy that gave this event life and like a certain authenticity that I feel like some all-star events lack like 90% of the time. Just we've seen it over and over again. And, you know, this really, like you could really feel the players' personalities on the court, every single one of them really like, actually I'll get into that later because when I go through the winners and losers of the WNBA all-star weekend, but, um, I think most people felt like this was a, a success for the league and, more than anything else, I'm just so happy for the players and all that WNBA content creators that have hung around as the league has tried to grow into a successful business. And I mean, this really was a celebration of the growth that we've seen from the W this year. And 
I mean, there's not a, any other place that I feel like people would want to go to or like to celebrate that growth than in Vegas. And I mean, you really have to appreciate the people that have kept this league afloat. And really, I'm talking about all the players dating back to the 2000s and that are like that are still hanging around. And again, like these content creators like the Kyle Haywards and the Rachel Galligans and R.A. Schwartz's, you know, all those people that take time out of their days like they'll you know they work all day at their quote-unquote real jobs and then on their off time are able to analyze and create some great work for us the fans and you know I know I appreciate it as a media member when I see like it's really inspiring to see what they've done over the years and just stick with it even though the league has had its downfalls but I mean this really was about all these like all those people that have kept the league afloat this celebration this past weekend, I mean, it has to be considered a great success and it's a huge win for the WNBA. And honestly, I was just so excited to bring some positivity to this episode heading into, you know, the last part of the season. And then yesterday happened. So for those of you who didn't see or read about what the sky dealt with two days ago, Chicago had a game scheduled against the sun on Tuesday and their travel plans were derailed by delayed flights and cancellations. And I think I think it was Madeline Kenny from the Sun-Times who reported that most of the team didn't even arrive until 4.45 a.m. after they had scheduled a flyout of O'Hare at 1 p.m. the day before. So they arrived the day of the game. And I'm just going to read you a quote from Cheyenne Parker that Madeline included in her story. So this is what Cheyenne said. It affects you a lot. I know for myself and a couple of other players, we swell up in our legs and feet when we travel. Being active, having to run up and down a court the next day, it really can play a toll. Thankfully, no one got hurt tonight, but it's definitely not something we should do. It's not healthy. There's so many reasons why Sky fans should be upset about this. I want to start off with why WNBA fans should be pissed off with the league over this. I will pose this rhetorical question to all of you. Why hasn't Catherine Engelbert said anything about this? Like, we can blame the league all we want for the lack of resources, you know, provided in making this a successful business and the poor conditions the players have to endure and overcome to make this product presentable. We can point to the lack of marketing. We can point to the sloppy website design and functionality. We can point to the poor quality in the league pass and its presentation and... I mean, we can point to everything else that is wrong with this league. But the one thing that, like, pisses me off, and I don't know if it makes any of you upset, but one of the things that pisses me off the most about, like, about how the WNBA is run is just how disinterested the league is when it comes to acknowledging these problems. Like, there have been voices for years kicking and screaming in a variety of ways about how the league can fix its problems, and specifically this problem about how WNBA players travel or like the scheduling of it all. But most of those times when those people are kicking and screaming, like their call for change just goes unanswered or you can, I feel like, or just ask anyone, ask anyone who has published scathing articles about how the WNBA is run and how the NBA hasn't done enough to make it a successful business. Ask any of those people who've written those harsh articles. They are met 
over and over again with someone from the W or from the NBA just reaching out saying they're just like kind of defending the way that the NBA promotes the WNBA. And I mean, it's disgusting. It's we've been dealing with these this issue for so long and it reflects poorly on the WNBA more than it does the NBA because most people like the Twitter trolls that we've seen and there was a lot of them this past weekend. We see them just like pointing to the WNBA as for why they are the reason like or why the like the players suffer because those Twitter trolls point to point to the players and saying that that's why the product isn't working or why the WNBA isn't successful. It's like no, the NBA needs like handles the WNBA. And they're going out and you're just not taking responsibility and like for any of those problems. And that's not even my point. It's not about like fixing one of these problems right now in the short term. Like there's nothing that WNBA really could have done about the situation that happened a couple days ago. And it's not and the real problem that exists, the WNBA, in my opinion. And it's why that we hear all these outcries for having these issues fixed is just it's about acknowledging the issues that exist and acknowledge acknowledging them when they occur like this is now the second time this season where this problem has come up and you know what i'm not going to blame katherine engelbert for like what happened or not acknowledging it because she wasn't the commissioner then but she is right now and putting in the tiniest amount of effort and just tweeting out something like it just has to be along the lines of like I'm sorry, Sky Nation, and like I'm sorry that the Sky had to deal with the complications they endured the two days ago. This is something the league takes seriously, and I'm gonna make it one of my goals to fix it when CBA negotiations eventually open up. I mean, it's just one tweet, right? I mean, is that so hard? I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm overreacting here, like that Catherine Engelbert has to be, or like has to fix all the WNBA's problems when she just got this job. That's not what I'm saying. It's just about putting in that effort and energy, honestly. And like, it doesn't cost any money to just go out and make a statement about this type of thing. I mean, I feel like it's your responsibility as the commissioner to like get out ahead of these things before the community comes up and trashes the WNBA or like trashes upper management the people who are running the WNBA I feel like it would take no time at all it would just be one tweet and just saying that we have to do better and I hope that we can reach an agreement later on that's not even committing to fixing the problem and I feel like that's also an element of this where who knows if Catherine Engelbert really has the power to like fix this problem down the line either I mean I, I just wonder how much power she's actually like how much power that she like, really has right now and I just feel like having no responses so much about where this league is at and that maybe this could be fixed if I just feel like the reward for like sending out a message just saying that like recognizing this problem will just kind of show the players and the community that it is on your mind and that maybe we would even stop talking about this just because we realize that this is a long-term problem or this is going to take some time to figure this whole thing out and it's just unacceptable right now that these problems are going unacknowledged you just have to at least acknowledge them in the heat of the moment it's all about controlling what the press says right I mean it's just not a good look for the league right now and I mean I feel like the best model for Catherine Engelbert is just to follow what David Stern did in the uh, the early 1980s when the NBA was having 
the exact same problems that the WNBA was having. And I mean, it's even on a sociological level. I mean, people were criticizing the league because it was considered to be too black. It was considered to be doing like they said that, like, I think there was one article back in the 80s that said that the like 75% of the league does drugs. And like, there's just, there was a perception problem around the league and what David Stern was able to do was kind of control some of the narratives that the media was putting out there. So when David Stern was faced with problems that could potentially hurt the league's image, he got creative in instituting rules and business ideas that helped the league out in both the short and long term. And that's what he was brought in to do in the same way that Kathleen Engelbert has been put in this position. And that is just to put in extra effort to try to save this league. Like I said before, the WNBA is dealing with the same problems that the 1980s NBA has dealt with, and or it could dealt with, I should say. I mean, especially in terms of of attendance, like the numbers are almost identical. And I mean, in the 1980-81 season, 16 teams lost money, and each game was only averaging 10,000 fans per contest. Like, I mean, like, even if, look at the team, like, like the Cavs, they were only filling up 28% of their arena that season. I mean, these numbers just sound so familiar, and I'm not going to continue to go through everything that David Stern did to turn this league around, Or, but there was a perception and attendance problem, and that's what the WNBA is facing right now. And the way to fix these things is having solid upper management that will see potential problems and address them right away in a way that the public is able to understand where the league is coming from on a certain level. And that's, we're not there yet. There's a disconnect between the upper management in the WNBA and the fan base right now. And I haven't seen people complain about her or the league saying anything like, or the league saying anything about what happened. But as a Sky fan, I mean, who just saw their team lose partly because of a rust issue. I mean, wouldn't you want something from the league? Like, just want them to just say something, anything. I don't know. I just feel like this was such an important game for the Sky, and they got screwed over something the league hasn't really addressed in a way the fan base has wanted or feel like is enough. And I felt like this was an opportunity for Catherine Engelbert to show the fan base that this is something that is on her to-do list and is something that she cares about. And I'm not saying this is like a colossal screw-up and I'm not trying to bash Catherine Engelbert when, I mean, right after we just saw, like, the league put on a great all-star game spectacle. Really, it was great. And I applaud the WNBA for that. But we can at least chalk this up as a missed opportunity and the league can't really afford a ton of those right now. They really can't. Games should not be decided... Folks, everyone involved with the W has to be thrilled about how the 2019 All-Star Weekend went. And I know I'm kicking myself right now because I was kind of on the fence about going this year. And I decided not to because, well, I'm broke and I'm looking for a job right now as I transition out of college to, you know, working every day. So I decided not to make the trip out and... After watching what happened this past weekend, I, I just really regret it just because everyone that I like everyone in the media that I know um, who was tweeting about it seemed to just have just a great time. And it was just such a great success for the WNBA, honestly. And I mean, based on what those media members were saying, like, who I keep in contact with and 
you know, just what we all observed on ABC. I mean, there just was a certain energy that gave this event life and like a certain authenticity that I feel like some all-star events lack like 90% of the time. Just we've seen it over and over again. And, you know, this really, like you could really feel the players' personalities on the court, every single one of them really. Like, actually, I'll get into that later because when I go through the winners and losers of the WNBA All-Star Weekend, but um, I think most people felt like this was a, a success for the league, and more than anything else, I'm just so happy for the players and all that WNBA content creators that have hung around as the league has tried to grow into a successful business, and I mean, this really was a celebration of the growth that we've seen from the W this year, and I mean, there's not a, any other place that I feel like people would want to go to or like to celebrate that growth and in Vegas. And I mean, you really have to appreciate the people that have kept this league afloat. And really I'm talking about all the players dating back to the two thousands and that are like, that are still hanging around. And again, like these content creators, like the Kyle Haywards and the Rachel Galligans and Ari Schwartz's, you know, all those people that take time out of their days, like they'll, you know, they work all day at their quote-unquote real jobs and then on their off time are able to analyze and create some great work for us the fans and you know I know I appreciate it as a media member when I see like it's really inspiring to see what they've done over the years and just stick with it even though the league has had its downfalls but I mean this really was about all these like all those people that have kept the league afloat this celebration this past weekend I mean, it has to be considered a great success, and it's a huge win for the WNBA, and honestly, I was just so excited to bring some positivity to this episode, heading into, you know, the last part of the season, and then yesterday happened. So, for those of you who didn't see or read about what the Sky dealt with two days ago, Chicago had a game scheduled against the Sun on Tuesday, and their travel plans were derailed by delayed flights and cancellations and I think I think it was Madeline Kenny from the Sun Times who reported that most of the team didn't even arrive until 4:45 a.m. after they had scheduled a fly out of O'Hare at 1 p.m. the day before so they arrived the day of the game and I'm just going to read you a quote from Cheyenne Parker that Madeline included in her story so this is what Cheyenne said it affects you a lot I know for myself and a couple of other players, we swell up in our legs and feet when we travel. Being active, having to run up and down a court the next day, it really can play a toll. Thankfully, no one got hurt tonight, but it's definitely not something we should do. It's not healthy. There's so many reasons why Sky fans should be upset about this. I want to start off with why WNBA fans should be pissed off with the league over this. I will pose this rhetorical question to all of you. Why hasn't Catherine Engelbert said anything about this? Like We can blame the league all we want for the lack of resources you know, provided in making this a successful business and the poor conditions the players have to endure and overcome to make this product presentable. We can point to the lack of marketing. We can point to the sloppy website design and functionality. We can pour, point to the poor quality in the league pass and its presentation and... I mean, we can point to everything else that is wrong with this league. But the one thing that, like, pisses me off, and I don't know if it makes any of you upset, but 
one of the things that pisses me off the most about like about how the WNBA is run is just how disinterested the league is when it comes to acknowledging these problems. Like there have been voices for years kicking and screaming in a variety of ways about how the league can fix its problems and specifically this problem about how WNBA players travel or like the scheduling of it all. But most of those times when those people are kicking and screaming, like their call for change just goes unanswered or you can, I feel like, or just ask anyone, ask anyone who has published scathing articles about how the WNBA is run and how the NBA hasn't done enough to make it a successful business. Ask any of those people who've written those harsh articles. They are met over and over again with someone from the W or from the NBA just reaching out saying they're just like kind of defending the way that the NBA promotes the WNBA. And I mean, it's disgusting. It's we've been dealing with these, this issue for so long and it reflects poorly on the WNBA more than it does the NBA because most people like the Twitter trolls that we've seen. And there was a lot of them this past weekend. We see them just like pointing to the WNBA as for why they're the reason like, or why the, like the players suffer because those Twitter trolls point to point to the players and saying that that's why the product isn't working or why the WNBA isn't successful. It's like, no, the NBA needs like handles the WNBA and they're going out and you're just not taking responsibility and like for any of those problems. And that's not even my point. It's not about like fixing one of these problems right now in the short term. Like there's nothing that WNBA really could have done about the situation that happened a couple days ago. And it's not and the real problem that exists the WNBA, in my opinion, and it's why that we hear all these outcries for having these issues fixed. It's just it's about acknowledging the issues that exist and acknowledge acknowledging them when they occur. Like this is now the second time this season where this problem has come up. And you know what? I'm not going to blame Catherine Engelbert for like what happened or not acknowledging it because she wasn't the commissioner then. But she is right now and putting in the tiniest amount of effort and just tweeting out something like it just has to be along the lines of like, I'm sorry, Sky Nation. And like, I'm sorry that the Sky had to deal with the complications they endured the two days ago. This is something the league takes seriously. And I'm going to make it one of my goals to fix it when CBA negotiations eventually open up. I mean, it's just one tweet, right? I mean, is that so hard? I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm overreacting here, like that Catherine Engelbert has to be, or like has to fix all the WNBA's problems when she just got this job. That's not what I'm saying. It's just about putting in that effort and energy, honestly. And like, it doesn't cost any money to just go out and make a statement about this type of thing. I mean, I feel like it's your responsibility as the commissioner to like get out ahead of these things before the community comes up and trashes the WNBA or like trashes upper management, the people who are running the WNBA. I feel like it would take no time at all. It would just be one tweet and just saying that we have to do better. And I hope that we can reach an agreement later on. That's not even committing to fixing the problem. And I feel like that's also an element of this where who knows if Catherine Engelbert really has the power to like fix this problem down the line either. I mean, I I just wonder how much power she's actually like how much power that she really has right now. And I just feel like having no response is so much about where this league is at and that maybe 
this could be fixed if I just feel like the reward for like sending out a message just saying that like recognizing this problem would just kind of show the players and the community that it is on your mind and that maybe we would even stop talking about this just because we realize that this is a long-term problem or this is going to take some time to figure this whole thing out and it's just unacceptable right now that these problems are going unacknowledged. You just have to at least acknowledge them in the heat of the moment. It's all about controlling what the press says, right? I mean, it's just not a good look for the league right now. And I mean, I feel like the best model for Catherine Engelbert is just to follow what David Stern did in the uh, the early 1980s when the NBA was having the exact same problems that the WNBA was having. And I mean, it's even on a sociological level. I mean, people were criticizing the league because it was considered to be too black. It was considered to be doing like they said that, like, I think there was one article back in the 80s that said that the like 75 percent of the league does drugs. And like there's just there was a perception problem around the league. And what David Stern was able to do was kind of control some of the narratives that the media was putting out there. So when David Stern was faced with problems that could potentially hurt the league's image, he got creative in instituting rules and business ideas that helped the league out in both the short and long term. And that's what he was brought in to do in the same way that Kathleen Engelbert has been put in this position. And that is just to put in extra effort to try to save this league. Like I said before, the WNBA is dealing with the same problems that the 1980s NBA has dealt with, and or it could dealt with, I should say. I mean, especially in terms of of attendance, like the numbers are almost identical. And I mean, in the 1980-81 season, 16 teams lost money and each game was only averaging 10,000 fans per contest. Like, I mean, like even if, look at the team, like, like the Cavs, they were only filling up 28% of their arena that season. I mean, these numbers just sound so familiar and I'm not going to continue to go through everything that David Stern did to turn this league around or, but... There was a perception and attendance problem, and that's what the WNBA is facing right now. And the way to fix these things is having solid upper management that will see potential problems and address them right away in a way that the public is able to understand where the league is coming from on a certain level. And that's we're not there yet. There's a disconnect between the upper management in the WNBA and the fan base right now. And I haven't seen people complain about her or the league saying anything like, or the league saying anything about what happened, but as a Sky fan, I mean, who just saw their team lose partly because of a rest issue, I mean, wouldn't you want something from the league? Like, just want them to just say something, anything. I don't know. I just feel like this was such an important game for the Sky, and they got screwed over something the league hasn't really addressed in a way the fan base has wanted or feel like is enough, and... I felt like this was an opportunity for Katherine Engelbert to show the fan base that this is something that is on her to-do list and is something that she cares about. And I'm not saying this is like a colossal screw-up and I'm not trying to bash Katherine Engelbert when, I mean, right after we just saw, like, the league put on a great all-star game spectacle. Really, it was great. And I applaud the WNBA for that. But we can at least chalk this up as a missed opportunity and... The league can't really afford a ton of those right now. They really can't. Games should not be decided by things that happen outside of the arena. Seriously. Like, 
sports is the closest thing we really have to a meritocracy in this country. And I think the fans think that as well. And when you take the game out of the hands of the sky or like just any team that deals with this, like the aces or fever, like again, teams that have dealt with this problem in the last year, just like, what does that say about the league and like where the competition is at right now? It's just, it's despicable. I really just wish that we could just (laughs) recognize that the WNBA is an investment. It really is. And I'm sorry that I had to go on this long spiel at the beginning of this show about how, I mean, again, about non-on-court things, um, but it's important to address this, and I really do think that Catherine Engelbert, look, I'm not giving up on her. I really am not. I think that she really can make an impact, and I mean, it's only like two weeks into her job, maybe less than that. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I think that she has, she just has this opportunity, and I just have high hopes for her, and I just kind of felt like this was a missed opportunity, and you learn from them, and... I hope that her and the league do. Wow, that was 15 minutes long. I apologize, people. I mean, I know we want to talk about what happened on the court, but I just feel like that was such an important thing to talk about, so I just wanted to lead with that. And I was kind of planning on breaking down last night's game, but maybe I should just pivot away because I just talked about the result of that game, really, or like uh, how the result of last night's game happened. So maybe we should pivot away from that. I think... I think I'm going to do that, but I will say this. This Chicago Sky team, man, it's so gritty. It's so resilient. I mean, they truly embody James Wade's personality and toughness. And, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how this team's going to look when they really figure this whole thing out and piece it together over the next few years. And it's going to be interesting. I think that James Wade, I mean, like I've said this a million times, he's got so much potential, like how he's able to connect with this team. And I think that even last night's game, you really could, I mean, that's a good experience to go through if you're a young coach who has a younger team. And I mean, those are experiences that are valuable, that adversity, blah, blah, blah. You've heard that so many times on sports talk, but yeah, I mean, the reason I don't want to break down this game now is just The more that I think about it, it's like, what did we really learn about this guy last night? I mean, this team really wasn't at full strength, obviously. Like we said, they didn't really get a chance to recuperate after that, like, horrendous traveling debacle. Like, I think that, uh, like, what are we going to, like, what can we really make from that game? I mean, Connecticut was at home. They're also one of the best home teams in the WNBA. The Sky are not one of the best road teams in the WNBA. I mean, what we really can't take anything away from that game, I feel like. And what I did actually like, though, and I guess this will be my one takeaway, so I guess I lied. I guess I'll add one more thing <laughs> in terms of breaking down last night's game. Katie Lou, man. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm going to wait one more week before I, like, give this hot take, but... She looked like a different person last night and just in the way that she was moving around the court. Like, that aggressiveness that she had. Like, the stats aren't going to jump out at you, but seriously, man, like, Katie Lou Samuelson, she could really be the X factor for this team down the stretch. And they're going to need offense. I mean, we, I mean, the Sky are dealing with yet another injury with Gabby Williams being out. I mean, that is a bigger loss than I think the stat book will suggest. Um, but yeah, Katie Lou last night looked pretty good. 
pretty, pretty good. Seriously, I think that uh, she's looking way healthier. Like two weeks ago, I said that I was kind of curious to see if she, I mean, like I was kind of skeptical that she was healthy going into the season and she really looked really solid last night in terms of her movement. So I wonder if she's going to get more tick. We'll find out, but um, yeah, let's move on to the winners and losers of the WNBA All-Star game. So I'm actually going to make this go kind of quick. Uh, I have a job interview pretty soon and yeah, I'm going to turn this over to the conversation I had two weeks ago with Brian or better known as the sky show chai <laughs> that didn't air on dash radio. Brian, man, you really have to make that more pronounceable. Seriously. It's uh that's a mouthful, but, uh, maybe I can address that with him on the next pod. If I have him on, I might actually see if he's available next week, but yeah. So let's go through the winners and losers of the WNBA all-star game. My first winner of the 2019 WNBA All-Star Game has to be the league's best point guard. Liz Cambage, man. Seriously, if I knew that Liz was going to run the point in the All-Star Game, I would have sold my left arm for some quick cash and then just head to Vegas. It would have been worth it. Honestly, it would have been worth it. That was so fun to watch a couple days ago. I mean, I think the part that I actually enjoyed the most was I was just curious if she had planned on playing some point guard before the game because... If she did, she most certainly did not tell Kayla McBride that that, you know, that she was going to do that. I mean, there was a few moments there where Kayla McBride tried to, uh, you know, she wanted Liz to pass up the ball and going up the court. And Liz was like, are you kidding me? This is like my one chance at, you know, being a point Liz. And I mean, she certainly didn't disappoint. I mean, she like had like a, at one point she had like a double crossover move, like, I did not, I mean, Liz Cambage can do so many things. I did not expect her to show off anything like that. I mean, that was impressive. But it was so funny to me, though, because I think Kayla McBride had no idea that Liz wanted to do that. And at one point, she tried to steal the ball from her. So funny. That was fantastic. And honestly, like, just the front court duel between Liz and Brittany Griner. I mean, I was, I was, gonna, I was kind of thinking about putting those two at the top here, but... It was a great duel, but, I mean, Liz completely stole the show. I mean, she's perfect for Sin City, seriously. I mean, is there? I don't think there's a better there's a better fit for, like, Liz and, you know, Vegas than those, like, this pairing. It's just, it's fantastic. And, yeah, no, it was great seeing Liz go up against Brittany Griner, too. I mean, they went back and forth at each other. I mean, Brittany Griner threw down some dunks. But then, I mean, the duel was over when Liz let her hair down when she was dribbling up the court. So Liz, I mean, you're the the most exciting player in the WNBA. I mean, she has to be, she really has to be. Um, so that was great. That was my first winner of the all-star game. My second winner of the all-star game is Chelsea Gray's playmaking ability. I mean, we don't even need to go through this one for that long. I mean, if you didn't see her play in this game, just fix that, man. Fix that right now. I never say that about all-star games. I mean, they were made to promote leagues that are just, like, we're struggling to find an audience. And, like, the games are just so half-assed just across the board through all major sports. Like, they're not, I, I personally don't find them to be that enjoyable. But, man, you could buy a car with how many dimes Chelsea Gray was dropping the other night. Ha, ha, ha. But really, no terrible jokes aside she was unbelievable and I mean she had one no look pass that 
I, it was so dirty that her teammate Natasha Howard dropped it because she just wasn't expecting it. It was like right underneath the rim. Would have been a easy basket if Natasha Howard hadn't dropped it. I mean, Chelsea Gray actually had a performance to remember, and I just can't say that about a lot of All Star games. They, I, I just don't enjoy them. But Chelsea Gray, thank you for giving giving me that performance. Really enjoyed that one. I mean, if you enjoy Courtney Vandersloot and her unbelievable playmaking ability, Chelsea Gray, man, she's up there too. So, moving right along to actually, I'm, I'm going to do a couple losers to switch this up a little bit. My first loser of the all-star game is the live play substitution rule. And it's not because the concept just like is bad or anything. It's just that this just seemed kind of half baked. It kind of felt like something that happened in the 23rd hour was just, they said, you know what? It'd be kind of cool if we just threw this rule in. Um, It didn't really work. I mean, I like the idea of like the hockey substitution idea of just like kind of mayhem having on going from the sideline, like just substituting so many players, but like they limited it to one player I believe that could come in and I think they were limited to one player could, could do the ho- like the hockey style substitution per quarter I feel like if this is idea was going to work they were going to need to just let it like completely loose let this one be like uh just kind of go crazy with it instead of just taming it I feel like if you're going to do something like this and you know it's happening at the all-star game you might as well just kind of let loose with it. I don't know. I feel like this this could have worked. I feel like next year they could probably do something with this idea of... I mean, it's a really cool idea. I think that it really does shake up the All-Star game that, again, I just find so incredibly boring after the first quarter. I mean, I who wants to see a game that's like 180 to like 170? It's just like, it's... Uh, these games are just so boring, and I like shaking it up. This just fell flat, and... Again, it was just a kind of a half-baked idea, so... Um, but hey, next year, I think they could do something with this. But my second loser, and my third winner, actually, was Diamond to Shield's wired segments on the sidelines. And, and let's just start with Didi's first segment, where after the commercial break, the announcer like came back in from commercial and just said, let's tune into Diamond to Shield's on the bench. And it was it was a weird one, honestly. I mean, they only show diamond screaming on the sidelines the first time out it was just like what are we really getting from this like i think this is something that i mean they do this uh in the nfl nba as well it's just <laughs> they have these like they like they have microphones on the sidelines like first like uh not like throughout the whole game sometimes and they just show us a segment where the coach gives us like a cliche like pep talk he'll give to him or her will give to his or her team and uh it's just, it's not great TV, and it's kind of a waste of airtime. But there was a, some redemption, though, with the Wired segment. This is why it's the third winner. I mean, Diamond, we got the uh, the edginess of Diamond from this one. And she was able, to, they, they did the exact same segment, except they were, it was like a conversation between her and someone else on her team. And Liz was dribbling up the court as the point guard, because, she, again, she's the greatest point guard in the WNBA right now. Um <laughs> and she was just saying like what Liz just wants to be a point guard so bad like and uh, I think she yelled at Brittany Griner like she can't post on you man like it was a cool I mean she didn't say man obviously but like she uh I mean I thought that was kind of entertaining I thought like I got a kick out of that as a Sky fan someone who follows the team but 
yeah, maybe we should retire this on the sidelines, like in the huddle segment, because we don't, I feel like 80% of the time, it's just something that we just don't need. Um, but I, uh, I, this is a tough one. This next one, this third loser of the all-star game. And I hate to say it. It's like killing me right now. But Courtney Vandersloot, I kind of felt like she had, she was going to be on this list after her performance. And like, I was like, I came up with this list after the all-star game and I mean, in no way, shape or form is Slooty a loser. And even saying what I just said makes me want to put soap in my mouth for such blasphemy. But she just, she just wasn't selfish enough in this game. And that is one of the reasons why we all love her and what makes her such a an amazing player, but during a lighthearted event like the All-Star Game, I just wanted to see more slooty flashiness, you know what I mean? Like, she has the ability to make any pass she wants, and I just felt like instead of just making the right basketball play, and she did, I mean, um, during, during the All-Star Game, she did a great job with that, but at the same time, it's just like, hey, you know what, just uh, let loose a little bit, we need to see what you're, I mean, especially because we want to, like, Sky fans especially want to see her in the All-Star game for years to come. I mean, she had a real, like, a real chance to just show everybody, like, why she is the most underrated point guard in WNBA history. And, yeah, she didn't really, I just feel like she didn't put that on display, really. And, I mean, she's also on this side of the list because her wife just absolutely torched her in this game. I mean... If they didn't fight after the game, like, <laughs> over Ali hitting a 27-footer in Slute's face, I mean, they'd have to be, like, the most stable couple on earth. And, I mean, even that turnaround three that sent Slute to the ground, like, right before Ali's shot, I mean, seriously, that's got to cause some problems at home. I mean, they, I mean, they are truly indestructible, and uh, I'm not too worried about that household. But I'm just saying, I'm sure it was tense afterwards after what Ali did, because... Whew, Sloot, uh, I don't know what to say. I think that, uh, you. I mean, hopefully that both of them are there next year and Sloot can uh, hit a couple threes in Allie's face just to even out, that, <laughs> even that out a little bit. But um, I don't know, I have a couple more. I just, I mean, I guess I have to shout out Erica Wheeler for like, you know, she has to be a winner on this list. I just feel like the media did her right by giving her the coverage she deserved. And I don't think I'm going to say anything that's new that you guys haven't really already heard. I mean, I guess I'll just say that in a league that just sees a lot of second and third round picks just getting cut and never seen again. I mean, it's impressive just for her just going undrafted in this league. And, you know, just six years later, she's an all-star and an all-star game MVP. I mean, that's just great stuff. I mean, it's inspiring and I'm glad that she got to put on the show that she gave us because she deserved every little bit of it. I mean, she just seems so grateful. I mean, those are the type of players you love, right? The ones that even in meaningless games like this are just, they find a way to uh, to find meaning in the game. And she mean, I mean, the shooting performance she put on too. Allie Quigley-like, very Allie Quigley-like or very Erica Wheeler-like, I should say, but... Yeah, I uh, it was a really fun All Star game. I, I, the, I'm a, I mean, this is a, a lame winner too, but the WNBA seriously, you put on a great event. I do think this really helped the sport um, or the league, I should say. Just the, the it was a party, man. It just seemed like an absolute party in Sin City this year, so that was great. Oh, and I totally forgot about my last loser. The Twitter troll, <laughs> the Twitter trolls were. 
they were going off. They were going off really uh, during the All Star game. I mean, I was I can't tell you how many times I saw a Brittany Griner video on Twitter where everyone was like they were playing All Star game defense, of course, which just means like no contact and everything is kind of slowed down. You just see all these dudes that are that live in their mom's basements that were just saying like. Wow, man, just the WNBA, they just seem so slow, man. Like, I just can't believe that, like, we can even, like, consider them to be athletes. Like, I actually saw something like that on Twitter. It was just, like, it's the all-star game. You couldn't even, like, Google or, like, figure out, like, what time of year this was, like, call it the WNBA. I mean, again, these are the people that are going to be doing some, like, vast research on uh, what's happening in the WNBA, but... Wow, they they really took it to a new level. Like that, like their petulance really uh, came out. And um, I mean, is there anything new here? I mean, I don't know. Those guys are forever losers, and they'll be back on this list next year if I do it again. But um, thank you for joining me on another edition of the Sky Hook. As always, if you want to contact anyone involved with the show, you can always do so at the Sky Hook Mailbag at gmail.com. One more time, that is the Skyhook mailbag at gmail.com. Or you can always tweet at me if you want any information about the show. Uh, my handle is James underscore M underscore K A Y. The show has a Twitter also, which is um, the handle for that is at Skyhookin. You can also always find the podcast version of this show on either Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and like I said at the top of this, the Windsider Network, which is on Spotify. Thank you so much for joining me. I am your host, James K. And until next time, my friends.